I'm Michael Radigan. This is Three Cheers for Goaltender Interference. Uh, I'm here with my co-host, Kat Silverman. You can follow me at Mikey Brads. You can follow Kat at Kat M. Silverman. You can follow our podcast at Three Cheers for Goal One. That's the number three and the number one. Uh, you can follow our producer, Maxwell Spar at Maxwell Spar. Uh, today we have Chris Greer from Gear, excuse me, uh, not Greer. I'm, I'm so sorry. Uh, Gear, sorry, buddy. Uh, Is that our from, <laughs> from Brews and Brews, uh, the Brews and Brews podcast. You can follow Chris at Gear B N B. That's the letter B, the letter N, and the letter B, right? Yeah, and you got to put it in with like the uppercase B's and the lowercase N's so that it looks like Airbnb. I'm contractually, contractually obligated to say that. Okay, and then you can follow uh, Bruce, the Brews and Bruins podcast at, at Brews and Bruins. Um, we have a, we last recorded uh, during, it was right after Game 4 or Game 5 of the Stanley Cup finals, um, so a lot has happened. Um as uh, Madi would say, oh, my lord, we have a lot to cover today. Um, so right off the bat, let's jump into it. <laughs> um, what do you want to go over first? you want to talk expansion draft? Do you want to talk uh, regular draft? The, the little boy auction, as I call I... it? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Mikey. Um <laughs> That's like the hot. last thing I want to talk about right now is is the regular draft because that's been like my entire timeline and like nobody's talking about anything good with it. So well, I kind of like the expansion draft. I, it was, I yeah. just want to say uh, we don't have to jump into the draft, but if you have not read Kat's uh, opinion piece in the Toronto um, Star, right? Toronto Which, Star, uh, yes. Which Christoph is a media I, and that, that's like the more respectable one. That is, the Toronto Sun's the one that like Toronto yep. Sun's the one that Steve Simmons writes for. Yeah. So that's all you need to know. Has, take that, yeah, take that as you will. The one that has Phil Kessel eating hot dogs. But uh, <laughs> please go read her piece. Uh, it's about uh, the Montreal Canadiens drafting Logan. I don't. Uh, Malio is that his name? How do you say his last name? Mayu. Mayu. I thought it was Mayu, but I also thought that Corey Conacher was Corey Conacher for about half a decade so um good but please go read it uh it, it was really well written and uh we are very lucky to have i feel very lucky to be doing a podcast with such a good writer like cat so cat you did a really good job um and i'm sorry for any uh bozos and your dms about that that's fucking i've like left my dms alone entirely yeah, like, i got a couple that were not not as bad as like so back when uh Back when Mike Milbury lost his job, um, I don't even remember what I had tweeted, but it was something like really innocuous about, because he, I think that was when he called women a distraction and said that like being in the bubble was great because there were no, no girls, like only boys. And I just said something, right? Like boys only club. And I said something about how like that was embarrassing for a professional to say that and got like death threats. I got like 4,000 mentions on Twitter in like a span of four hours. And this was nothing compared. Like I just got a bunch of people sending me tweets from other people talking about how it was a good pick. And I was like, "Mm, I'm, I'm done reading these. So I just like, if, so if anybody DM'd me in the last like three to four days, um, I, I say like people want to talk to me. Um, I'm sorry if I didn't get to it. Um, because I just, I, I looked at my DMs and I just like put a big X and I was like, nope. And I've kind of left Twitter for the most part. My my notifications on Twitter, I haven't even looked at. Like, I have no idea what, what people are saying or what they're sending to me. So I'm sorry if there's been good stuff in there too. Um, but I didn't, even watch, I didn't even watch the draft. I just like, I followed on my phone when the Islanders picked and who they picked. But like, I, I just had no interest in it in general. Maybe because it's like it's hard to. It's a weird scouting year with COVID and stuff like that. And they're like, and I I I know that like three out of the four first picks or whatever were from Michigan, which is cool. Like I'm a big college hockey guy, so that was cool to see. But other than that, I really didn't care. And obviously, the whole thing with the Canadians just like <clears throat> put a really sour end to Friday night uh, in the draft. So 
or the first round of the draft, excuse me. Okay, so I guess we'll start. We'll just do talk a little bit about uh, the expansion draft and maybe free agency. Um, what were your? What do you think of the Kraken, Chris? I'll go to you first. How do you? What, what do you think of their roster? I think they did a pretty good job of balancing taking win now players with some cheaper players that maybe people haven't really heard of that I assume their scouting and analytics departments really enjoyed uh, and, you know, saving some of that money for free agency, both maybe this year and for next year. Um, yeah. I mean, they, they got a few really good players and uh, I, I don't know if their team right now is better than the Knights were right after their draft. Cause they didn't really get, as much of the benefit of panicking GMs, but they did get some. Um, but I do think they're set up pretty well for, uh, you know, maybe trying to contend for a playoff spot this year and then maybe be a contending team next year if they really hit free agency hard. I think that's a really, that's a really good point. That's, it seems they kind of threaded the needle a little bit uh, when it comes to balancing, like you said, when now players and maybe, I don't want to say reclamation projects, but maybe guys that have, you know, uh, a high ceiling, you know, low risk, high reward type players. Um, yeah, and it, it's interesting. I know it sounded like they're talking to some free agents because they had that window where they're allowed to talk to free agents before everyone else. And it's it sounded like they were they're kind of interested in talking to like Landis Gog. I don't know if... Uh, that went anywhere, but um, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, Kat, what did you think? Um, I mean, I thought they, they did a pretty okay job. I don't think they did anything remarkable, but I I think that the Golden Knights really did get uh, like some people said. Oh, you know, they didn't they didn't trick teams as well as the Golden Knights did. And yeah, I don't think they I don't think they could. Like, I think the Golden Knights made a lot of GMs really trigger shy. And so I think, uh, and there, it's not like they're in a very strong division speaking as someone who was just like unceremoniously booted from that division. It's a really hard one to fuck up in. Um, Cause you have Anaheim. They're very clearly in the midst of a rebuild. LA is like trying to leave their rebuild, but like they're very clearly still in a rebuild. Uh, San Jose, nobody knows what they're doing because they didn't they didn't buy Martin Jones out today. Um, so they're keeping him next year, which is amazing. Um, I think that's just wonderful for them. Um, the the Oilers brought back Mike Smith for like not one but two years. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks decided that Oliver Ekman Larson needs to be their number one defender. For next year and that's like oh, he's not, gonna be there. Not, not just for next year for like the for like next, next six, six years, years. yeah <laughs> he's such top. a he's such a good character guy and like I think he's better than some of the other guys that they have on their defensive roster but like Jim Benning during his press conference for that trade went up and he you know got on the podium and he talked about how they're confident that OEL will bounce back he's almost 31 so I don't know how much bouncing back there is left for him to do um and as I think a 31 year old I'm pretty sure uh, <laughs> speaking from this experience he's not gonna bounce old back podcast like there's an overwhelming 31 year old <laughs> oh, energy man. here um, <laughs> but no they uh and then he followed that up with this amazing quote where he said I'm not really sure why OEL's plus minus was so bad for the last three or four years. We can't seem to figure it out. And I was like, oh, isn't that something you should figure out like before you trade for him? Because I think Connor Garland's a great ad for them, but that's really good. Ad, like those are those are the teams in their division. They have Calgary too, who I think is kind of an enigma right there. Nobody knows if Johnny Gaudreau's happy being there right now. Sean Monahan's been kind of up and down over the last few years. Their goaltending sucked last year. Uh, they lost Mark Giordano. So they lost their only like true veteran leadership player uh, outside of Michael Backlund, who's a prince. Um, and then there's Vegas, who's going to be very, very, very good. Um, and that's, that's pretty much the division. So I think they didn't have to do anything really competitive right now um and 
they didn't. I think they saved themselves for saved themselves some room for free agency and didn't make any enemies out of other GMs who might have been a little smarter. And they let all the panic moves go elsewhere, right? Like they they let Philadelphia make some truly <laughs> baffling moves. Um, they let the Islanders make a few good ones and a few like kind of kind of weird ones. Um, they let uh, they let the Blackhawks keep doing just the garbage things that they do. They let the Oilers re-sign Mike Smith. Um, I just I want to keep bringing up the Mike Smith thing because it's the funniest thing that's happened. Wait, this what do you think the weird Islanders trade was? I I thought it was kind of funny that they didn't ask the Coyotes for anything back. Like they could have gotten a pick. I think they could have gotten There's a, a late no round way pick back. Gotten, there. There's no way Andrew Ladd is. I don't think he's going to play. Gonna play. I don't think he's going to play. That's the thing is I think some people in the Coyotes world, they're like, oh, it sounds like they're really going to ice him next year. I was like, what makes you think that? They're like, oh, they keep saying that, like, maybe they think he'll be ready. I'm like, no, he won't. He's he he's living his life. He's living his best life on Robita Island somewhere. Yeah. Like, that he, man is never playing hockey again. I really don't think – I'm. it's a miracle that the Islanders were able to finally rid themselves of that contract. He was part of that – 26 the 2016 uh free agency day when yeah, i was like it was the one with milan lucic uh, andrew lad kyle akposo franz nielsen and then someone else got all like of the bad contracts in one day let's get yeah, it over with the most unmovable contracts and now and the islanders needed that cap space desperately they did, now, yeah. they did that they freed up letty i mean they tra- they moved letty to detroit that was a really good trade because uh, they got back like a good like uh, what's his name Richard Panic or whatever. Yeah, what does Detroit That's... need with Nick Letty? So weird. So and they're and they're retaining they're eating all of Letty's salary, and then they're like retaining half of uh, Panic's salary. So they so they did that and then they got Nadelkovich for what like a third round pick. Basically I love that pick. Nothing like awesome awesome trade there, but like I don't understand like. I thought okay. that one was fantastic. I thought oh, that the. Move. And I don't understand what Carolina is doing with their goaltending. That was awful. That was an awful. So, like, I think Bernie is like a, a fine enough goalie, but like, I He's would a rather decent backup, isn't he? A UFA too. Yeah, and I so would, they're I'm, negotiating with him right now, though. the The expectation is that they're going to sign him, and then they're going to sign Peter Mrazek, and they're going to let James Reimer go. Which I, I wouldn't like personally. I wouldn't go through. All of the goaltenders that got ran out of town by the Toronto Maple Leafs—that's <laughs> like, not—that's not how I'd do it. But if that's how they want to do it, like I—I I guess that's it was a little. It's okay. A, they got a bad rap, those guys in Toronto, though. Those guys, and which speaking of, I think uh, nobody's been talking about the Freddie Anderson situation, which I think is delightful. Uh, I if I'm if I'm another team, I'm asking if he wants to sign with me in free agency. Yeah, the only thing I, I guess is if it's is he healthy, and I'm guessing he is. I, he seems healthy. He just seems tired. Which aren't <laughs> yeah, we all? I can I can relate. With that. <laughs> I was gonna say aren't we all? Um, but no, I I think I think Seattle did fine. I think the other teams did some. I think Philadelphia is the team that we should all really be laughing at because I absolutely don't understand anything they've done in the off season. Like I don't they, I don't understand a single thing the Flyers they have done. traded a. Pretty good defenseman in Shane Goss's bear and gave up assets with him for absolutely nothing. For nothing, literally for nothing. And then gave up real assets, first and second round pick, for, for one of the worst defensemen in the league. <laughs> if you, people are like, you gotta, like, uh, not Buffalo fans, Flyers fans are like, you got, like, obviously, like, the, the chart boys don't like. Uh, Russellinen and which is fair. and I test doesn't like him either. Like he's <laughs> bad. Like if you he's the guy that got sunned by Barzell on that like uh on that crazy breakaway. Like Barzell like flipped him over. Like Russellinen they're like oh he's a really big guy. Barzell like flipped him over his back and then had like the most absurd goal. Like if you watch him like he yikes. Uh, I think his best deployment would be third pairing minutes and on the PK like clear out space in front of the net. I don't, I don't know if I'd trust him with I, I one even, more guy from the other team. I don't even, That's yeah, I don't even think he's good on the PK. No, no, I don't th- I'm, I'm saying I don't think he's good on the PK either. I'm saying that's what they'll probably use him for. Oh, well, aren't, they're going to use him probably. Oh. Top. They're going to use him as a top pairing guy. Not unlike 
that I big can, knocks with Oliver Ekman Larson. I think they're gonna put Ryan Ellis on the top pairing. That was that was a decent trade. Oh, that was um, a good trade. Yeah. Uh, I so I, I think I like Nolan Patrick more than most Flyers fans do. Um he has not shown any sort of offensive game so far, but he's like well above average NHL defensively as a center. And you know, he's still pretty young and he he's been injured a lot. I'd give him some opportunity to develop an offensive game. And Ryan Ellis is coming off of his worst season in like four years. Um, so, and he, he's like 30, so that's kind of worrisome. But, I mean, pairing him with Provorov could be really good for them as long as you're not too worried about what is on the next pairing. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So the Flyers, uh, so I think we established that Seattle – they got some nice pieces. They should, I think they should be a playoff team because, Kat, as you mentioned, that division's going to be stinky. Uh, like, just from an Islander standpoint, I was sad to see Jordan Eberle go. He's a good goal scorer. Uh, but, again, a freedom cap space, and so we'll see what the Islanders do with that. But I do think Seattle, uh, they'll be a fun team to watch. Their fans seem super into it. Um, I, I liked the expansion draft. Uh, I thought the ESPN coverage was pretty good. So it's exciting to see hockey back on ESPN again. Um, Chanel. Yeah, Chanel. Chanel, uh, Crushed it, announcing her pick um, for the Seattle organization. Um, Kat, I kind of want to go back to the Coyotes a little bit because we we just talked about the Andrew Ladd trade and you brought uh, brought up the OEL trade. But I just want to talk about that trade as a whole because they gave up – that was like one of the bigger trades. Uh, Was it Friday? Um. Saturday? Sure. It was before the draft. It was a, because they because they got themselves that ninth overall pick. So, so they were able to recoup a first round pick that they were docked. A top ten pick. So they they moved up in the draft essentially it, from where they would have been. Exactly. So they moved up. They they traded what seemed like kind of an uh, immovable contract. Uh, yeah, I I thought that one they were gonna have to. Ekman like I thought they were gonna have to give up something worse. Obviously, like, <clears throat> he meant a lot to the Coyotes because he was their captain, and I'm sure he, he meant a lot to, like, that franchise and everything. But, again, he just hasn't been himself the past three or four years, and he's 31. Um, and then they just took on salary back. Like, would they get Louis Erickson, who's still, like, a fine player? Just as- they, got, they got a couple of fourth-liners. <laughs> Louis Erickson is still, like, a... He's a fine bottom six NHLer. He's just making a lot of money. Louis Erickson's been playing in the AHL on and off, if I remember correctly. Like, I, Louis Erickson got waived a few times. Yeah, I don't know if Louis Erickson is still fine. I don't I think, think he's an NHL player anymore. Like, I think, I think that one's going to be just eating salary. I think Antoine Roussel is kind of fun. And then I think Jay Beagle is – that's that's your fourth-line center there. I'm, I'm always very interested in, like – NHL players who were really good and then hit free agency and immediately after signing a big contract were terrible. Um, Cause that is a hundred percent what happened with Louis Erickson. <laughs> he was bad yeah. immediately with, <laughs> with Vancouver. Yeah. yeah. He scored 30 goals with the, the Bruins his last year in Boston. And I remember thinking, Oh, I like, it's a shame they're not going to be able to keep him, but like, I don't want to keep him for as much money as he wants. That's fine. And like, was okay to see him go. And then they went out and signed David Backus. So (laughs) (laughs) So they got played anyway, but, and then, yeah, that next year he scored 11 goals. Then he scored 10. Then he scored 11. Then six. He does stay. Never mind. (laughs) He played seven games last year. Yeah, I thought he played. Like that's not. <laughs> Maybe I I he's, I don't know. Still why. looks good on the bench. Um. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a really pretty guy. It's gonna be fun having him around. Um, but no, I think Jay Beagle's probably gonna be their their fourth line center. Um, because surprisingly enough, last year they had a it was Johan Larson. Um, who they I believe signed in free agency. Uh, used to be with the Buffalo Sabers. Really good shutdown fourth line center. I assumed he was going to be one of those guys with like a goal or two. Um, and I think he ended up with seven or eight. Um, and then they obviously managed to hold on to Christian Dvorak, which I'm super excited about because I think he's a fantastic part of that team. Um, 
Yeah, it was. It was Johan Larson, and he ended up scoring eight goals in 52 games, which I was pleasantly surprised by for a fourth-line center. Um, and so I think he's probably going to center their third line instead, and then they'll have a they'll have a Jay Beagle down down on the fourth line. Um, Antoine Roussel is. I don't think he's a necessarily a good hockey player by any stretch. Um, my, my, Mikey's got his face in a pillow right now. Um, I was coughing. I didn't want to cough on a, a camera. I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> I'm a professional. I appreciate you. Yeah, um, you were just like a real big Antoine Roussel hater. I mean, Antoine Roussel's kind of garbage. Like as. As a player, he's one of those players who I've heard he's a really great guy off the ice. He's like a nice guy. He's funny. And then on the ice, he's just like a piece of shit. Um, I did not know he played for Vancouver. I've, he's played for Vancouver for three years now. I would I would not have. <laughs> if you had asked me, I would have been like, oh, yeah, he's still in Dallas. He's not. He's, he's in. Guys you just mentioned, though, and then including Phil Kessel, are all coming off the books after this season. Yeah, so they're going to have a lot of room to, if they want to actually take that step forward, they got rid of some of their, they got rid of their trickiest contract, essentially, um, and cleared up a little bit of space, I think, for their blue line, because they have a, they have Victor Soderstrom, who's expected to be in the NHL this year. He, uh, he was getting close last year, and they ended up not, not wanting to rush him, which I appreciate, um, and then Jacob Chikrin, who I... I would assume is poised to be their next captain. Um, I would be super surprised if they don't take the year off from having one and then name him to the captaincy the year following. Um, I don't, I don't think their, their forward core is really anything to write home about anymore. Now that, now that Connor Garland's gone, um, cause he was really the only one who could score. Um, what was your take on his quote? He's pretty upset that he got traded. He said, did you see um, that quote? He wasn't, Connor Garland wasn't upset he got traded. He was upset that the team essentially stopped, uh, stopped contract talks with him when they decided that they yeah. were going to trade him. And then, uh, yeah. so I think he was getting a little frustrated that there wasn't a little more communication there about is he that. An, is he an RFA? Um, yeah, he's an RFA. Okay. Um, I mean, he's, he's got a lot. I think that's, that's a huge ad for, um, for Vancouver, who immediately got better by adding him. And then today they bought out um, uh, Jake Vertanen. So he was placed on unconditional waivers. They're buying him out. Uh, that clears up a space on the wing for Connor Garland to slot in, which is an immediate upgrade for them. Um, yeah. But then they still have Tyler Myers on their defense. So, you know. Would they just buy out Vancouver? Pardon me? Who did Vancouver just buy out? Uh, Jake Vertanen. And he has like assault accusations, I believe, or right? Uh, there's a, I believe there's still an ongoing investigation there. Correct. Yeah. Right. Um, um, which I, they didn't play him for the last part of the season last year. Right. Uh, part of it was because of the ongoing investigation. Uh, I think it was also, if we're gonna be perfectly honest, like looking at the NHL's track record, I think part of it was because when that came out, he had five goals and zero assists in 38 games for the team. So uh, I don't think they were too sad to uh, tell him to, to fuck off for the last part of the season. Um, but that's, that's a team that I think needed a major culture overload. Uh, I've, I've heard not great things about what the culture is like in, in Vancouver overall, uh, which is too bad because they have some really good culture guys there. Right. And good, Skill guys like like Elias Pettersson and uh, Bo Horvat, JT Miller, Bo Horvat, Quinn Hughes. Those are all really good quality guys and good quality players. Braden um, Holpe. I love Braden Holpe. Don't you I, say anything. I like Braden. I'm glad he sticks. I do like Braden Holpe. <clears throat> uh, but yeah, that's another. I mean, that's a good person to have in in a locker room that you need to desperately turn things around. Um, and then. Oliver Ekman Larson, who his mother passed away while he was playing in Arizona. Um, he wasn't able to get back to Sweden to see her uh, when she passed. And that was kind of the last time we saw him playing really well for the team. Um, that was a couple of years back. 
And I think getting just a just a fresh start, a fresh environment to be in away from from an organization that didn't didn't hold him there by any any stretch of the imagination. You know, he he was able to go back home afterwards. But I mean, just give him give him a little bit of an uplifting change there um, and a chance to really make an impact with a team that really can only go up from where they where they are. Um, so so good for him. Um, hopefully we'll see Connor Garland score lots of goals. And the plus side is we won't have to see him score them all against the Coyotes because they're in the Central Division now, which means they're they're going to have a really fun time. Um, and by fun, I mean bad. That's OK. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of my thoughts on that. I think the Coyotes are not going to be as bad as people think they are next year. I don't think they're going to be a good competitive team, but I don't think they're going to be. Like, I don't think they're going to be Buffalo, um, who I don't, <laughs> I don't think, think anyone be. can be. <laughs> no, I, I don't think they're, they're going to be because because the dysfunction's not quite there. Um, but yeah, I I think uh, they have a new head coach too, Andre Torini, who I think is a really good guy for for a developing team. So so we'll see. Um, I haven't been to a Coyotes game in person since uh, two days before the shutdown last year. So uh, it'll be interesting to go back to games and maybe watch them just absolutely tank, but hopefully not because that's a waste of my time. So it'd be, it'd be a little like Mikey not talking about Shrek on a podcast if I didn't inject some Bruins talk on here, but um, was really interested in, Connor Garland is an option for the Bruins. Yeah. Um, he was floating around, I know, with like the Bruins there, and the Islands there, there. It's he was a player, yeah, for sure. There was some talk going on and I was uh, a, a lot of people were saying like it it made sense for kind of a debrusque plus for Connor Garland swap. And I didn't really know what the plus would be there. Like there, there's some options there for the Bruins, but nothing that maybe uh <laughs> nothing that moves the needle as much as getting rid of the OEL contract. Um, but yeah, J- Jake DeBrusque is kind of always on thin ice in, in Bruins land. And he's, he's been like kind of a league average player in, in total, but it's very inconsistent. Like sometimes he's, sometimes he's really bad. And so that kind of wears out a welcome and maybe somebody Especially from the outside, <laughs> yeah, somebody from the outside looking in could see, Oh, he scored 30 goals once he's. You know, he's generally been pretty okay in terms of numbers. Like, he'll score 20 goals, 25 goals. But if you watch it on a nightly basis, it can be pretty rough. So well, I don't know if the Coyotes would have taken that anyway, because I unfortunately have watched a lot of Bruins games with him. Um, and he is such a similar player in that aspect to uh, to Clayton Keller. A guy who numerically you have like it's all there. You're getting the you're getting the end results, right? Like Clayton Keller's been a top two or three scorer for the Coyotes pretty much since he joined the team. Um he was a Calder finalist his first year. But the consistency hasn't been there and the aggression hasn't really been there. And that's the one thing that Connor Garland brought to the team is he was like he was a finisher. Um, he was one of the few guys on the team who would drive to the net and actually finish and score goals because of it. And Clayton Keller was always kind of a perimeter forward for the Coyotes. Like if he scored, it was because he had a really nice shot from the point. And I occasionally saw something like I I'd expected Jake DeBrusque to be a really agitative physical player right around the crease and I I didn't see that super consistently um so I think that that's not what the Coyotes needed more of so I I had a couple people ask me um in the DMs before I stopped paying attention to those um (laughs) if I thought that the Coyotes would take Jake DeBrusque for Connor Garland and I said no I was like not a chance um because that's Straight that up, that's a really us. bad trade. Well, that's a really bad trade for the Coyotes, but I I didn't see how that would fill a need for them. And then somebody asked, well, what about Nick Ritchie? And I just 
stopped Oof. paying attention <laughs> at that point. They're like, what about one of them plus like a second round pick? And I was like, get out of here. Like, no, not a chance. Nick um, Ritchie <laughs> is just Jake DeBrus, but way slower, way takes slower. way more penalties <laughs> and scored all of his goals with like Pasternak accidentally bouncing them off of his knees or whatever. He's he's Lawson Kraus, but not as defensively responsible, I feel like. Because Lawson Kraus has a decent 200-foot game. And I I don't love Nick Ritchie for for that. I don't I don't love that for him. I um, love Nick Ritchie for being the least who he likely is. looking NHLer <laughs> outside of Phil Kessel. Um which would be a really fun combo to have on a team. For everybody but the Coyotes, I think. I I just love that he constantly looks like he he ordered something off of like a French menu and didn't realize that it was like <laughs> like a whole fish with like the head on it, and he's just like, he's like, what happened here? <laughs> yeah, no, so, he seems like a nice guy. <laughs> Good for him. Uh, Chris, how do you? I, I guess this is where this is basically Bruce and Bruins again, but whatever. Um, <laughs> No, uh, how do You're you out feel? To, uh, oh, man. Uh, if only the Islanders didn't have... Uh, I wish they had more success against the Bruins this year. Anyway, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> anyway, what is your thought on the Taylor Hall deal? Because he was someone that was scheduled to free agency. Free agency. Uh, it seems like he clicked pretty well in Boston. It, uh, it was... It, it, I think everyone thought it, he was a nice fit there, and it, it seems like he is. And then they, they signed him for, what, four years, six mil per year, yeah. right? Yeah. What are your um, thoughts on that? I mean, I, I think it's great. I, I think it's a good deal for both teams, or both sides. And uh, I, I think he, he wanted to have a contract where um, he it wasn't the last contract he was signing ever. I believe he's going to be like 34 or 35 when that expires so he can probably still you know go play somewhere else maybe probably not going to be making a ton of money off of that but um having that option for him is nice and then signing for six million like that's another elite winger for under seven million dollars that uh the Bruins have that's pretty ridiculous when you have Pasternak and Marchand already making less than seven million dollars so um, That's crazy to think about. I'd I'd be interested to know if he had any, um, if there was any part of the negotiation that was like make sure that David Krejci's coming back before this before we sign this deal because that that's just like a match made in heaven and I, I'm becoming more and more worried that Krejci's not coming back um, as the offseason goes on and I, I don't think he's necessarily testing the waters in free agency but i think he's probably there had been talk prior to this season of like well if this doesn't work out this year then maybe he'll go back and play in the czech republic or somewhere in europe um and i think a lot of people had the sunshine and rainbows view of it when when taylor hall came over and they were playing super well together and we're like oh well obviously he's going to resign now uh, if they if they bring back Hall, um, but you know it's, it's a couple days after Taylor Hall's signed and nothing's happened with Krejci and it doesn't seem like they're advancing in talks in any way. Um, so yeah, I'm nervous about that and I don't really know who a good replacement would be. I don't see anyone on the market who's like yeah second line center that's affordable. Um, and I feel like Krejci would <laughs> definitely fit the bill for more affordability considering you just turned 35. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. Uh, I know it's like him and Tuca, right. Are like the big, uh, I guess, question marks. They're going to come, come, come home, come back. Um, I know Tuca has had surgery or is getting surgery and it's going to, it's going to be a little while till he plays again. So it, it sounds like uh, the Bruins might be in the market for another veteran goalie for a little bit to, uh, play some games uh, with uh, with who's the kid from Maine that they have? Swayman. Jeremy Swayman. Yeah, I'd be really worried if the Bruins went into the season with a Swayman Vladar <laughs> tandem. Yeah, that, that'd be trouble. God. And 
I guess shifting towards free agency in the Bruins, they were um, they were linked to as well as like teams like the Islanders and I think a couple other teams was uh, Ryan Ryan Sutter, uh, who now it sounds like he's gonna the the Stars are the front. Sounds like Dallas, yeah. Sounds like Dallas is in talks. Front runner, but he was he that buyout of those two players was. Uh, what that, that was crazy. It was wild. Uh, hey. <laughs> Objectively, oh wow. Not a word. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was it was crazy uh, because both players are actually still good uh, and can contri- contribute. Zach Reese, I think, scored. Uh, I don't know if he scored how much he scored this past season, but he scored 25 goals the year before. And Ryan Sutter is he's still really good offensively. He's not great. On the back end, but he can still put up points from the back end. So I think both guys in the right roles could contribute to a team. No yeah, matter. I'm less sold on Parise as far as you know his overall game. Maybe like improving a contending team. I think he could probably play for like a Detroit and you know not have to move too far away from home and uh, provide some leadership for a team like that and eat some minutes so you're not putting out AHL players. But um, yeah, I don't. I don't know if he has that much left in the tank to be a an every night NHL forward contributing at that level. But yeah, Ryan Suter is for sure could be like a power play specialist, uh, and if you put him in like second pairing deployment he, with somebody who has some defensive capability, and uh, Dallas has players like that, so I think he could really help a team over there. Yeah. It sounds like that's going to be a nice fit for them. And then there's kind of the awkwardness with Landeskog right now. And uh, is he going to leave? He's, you know, Colorado's captain. And is he going to leave? And it's sounding like he might. Uh, and then you, he's probably going to be the biggest free agent name out there right now. I was I was really fascinated by that because, uh, like, obviously, when, when the expansion protected lists came out, they um, – a lot of people were talking about how uh, Washington was, you know, smart enough to do what they did with TJ Oshie the year, or not the year prior, but the expansion draft prior, where they had a, uh, they had essentially not re-signed TJ Oshie before the expansion draft, and they left him unprotected, but made it very clear that they were going to re-sign him. So if Vegas took him, they would just outbid Vegas. Uh, when free agency hit and so they did the same thing with Alex Ovechkin this year which essentially bought them an extra protection spot and it almost seemed like that's what uh like that's what um Colorado was trying to do with Landeskog um at least to the extent of oh well we just won't re-sign him right now and then we'll re-sign him right after uh and you know Seattle won't pick him because if they do, we'll just re-sign him in free agency anyway. Um, but for whatever reason, it seems like he isn't getting, whether it's the term that he wants or the dollar amount that he wants, or if he wants certain trade stipulations written into his, I, I don't know what's holding it up there. Um, but it seems like it's not going as well as they they really would have wanted it to. Um, we've got Chris bringing out another beer, um, which I think means he knows we're getting close to a, to our to our devolution into the MCU. Um, welcome back, Chris. Uh, but uh, no, I I think that that's an interesting one because obviously there have been times throughout the last few years where Gabriel Landeskog was either injured or out on suspension because he loves getting suspended for stupid shit. Um, and they survive without him, right? Like they do just fine without him. But it seems like. That's that's an injury-prone team. Like, he gets hurt, and then Mika Rantanen gets hurt, and then Nate McKinnon gets hurt. And he, there's some overlap there, but it seems like we haven't seen all three of them uniformly healthy for a very long time, at least for, for substantial chunks of the season. And so I think if you lose one of those big three to free agency, you essentially lose one of your safety nets there, which it's hysterical that that team has had such a deep safety net um but losing losing Landeskog I think would hurt them even though they have pretty pretty impressive depth you know they have both McKinnon and Ranton and they have Nazem Kadri uh 
They lost Yunus Donskoy, who was surprisingly good for them in a depth forward role. He was a solid piece, yeah. Yeah, he, he managed to score a lot more than I thought he, he would, and it all seemed to be against the Coyotes. Um, and he plays a pretty two, good two-way game too, right? Yeah, they they signed like they brought him in as like a depth two-way forward, and he ended up moving like he was he was kind of a floater in their lineup wherever they needed him to slot in. So there's times he spent on the top line, times he spent in the middle six. Um, sometimes he played more of a shutdown role, and he did it all for them. Um, they still have Brandon Saad too, although he's one who seems like he kind of needs that extra push, right? Like it seems like he needs someone to just sort of bump him along to get him to perform where he needs to be. I mean, that's like under, like below the surface been kind of the, the rumblings about him pretty much since he was traded the first time from Chicago to Columbus, there was talk that he, he needed someone who would drive him on his line. And so I, I don't know. I think Colorado takes a step back if they, if they lose him. Um, Although they do still have Nathan McKinnon and Miko Branton. Yeah, so it's, it's a, not, step, a step back from like being like a world. great, great team. <laughs> <laughs> like it's kind of like if the if the Bruins lose David Krejci, like that's that's a blow to them. But they still have Pasternak, Marchand, and Patrice Bergeron. So like, how much? And now Taylor Hall. So like, how much of a step back? do you cry for a team having to take? Um, I would cry for that step. Back I would, I would cry, but not, not because they'd become Buffalo or anything. Once again, not many teams can. It's just uh, because we lose the rock upon which you build the church. Yeah. <laughs> um, it also sounds like, um, who else is out there? Uh, I mean, that Seth Jones deal was absurd. Yeah, I was gonna say if we if we got through this podcast without talking about that. So I just um, want to uh, Adam Pellick for the Islanders. He's their top pairing guy. He is um, he's an RFA, and when the Bruins re-signed uh, Brandon Carlo, Islander fans were very happy. They're like, listen, like Pellick will probably get more than this but this is like this is a really fair deal for a, a very solid defenseman like <laughs> get more but like it, it shouldn't be like we're not gonna it's not gonna kill us and the islanders need adam pellick he is you could argue he's the best shutdown defenseman in the nhl yes. maybe behind your head he's a great player and I think then he's better than victor hedman defense well hedman was hurt last year so it's yeah, kind of hard to but still like if if there was an award for defensive defensemen, you could make arguments for guys like Pelican Pulak on the Islanders. But that being said, the fucking Chicago Blackhawks come along and they're like, oh, fuck all this. Let's give a declining Seth Jones. And maybe Seth Jones just had a bad year last year. It's, he, he had a bad year last three years. <laughs> but he was got he was like awful last year and Columbus was like stinky and like so it's like and it was a COVID year so maybe I can excuse that like I I, I kind of give guys a little bit of the benefit of the doubt it had to probably suck playing last year with all the rules and stuff it, it was probably really rough on your psyche so maybe but given Zach Wierenski managed to do it yeah exactly <laughs> I'm just saying I'm not gonna I take some if if guys I wouldn't be surprised if some guys bounce back that being said. They give this fucking guy $9.5 million a year. <laughs> a year. For Just eight- for perspective on that, Jacob Chikrin, who is younger, and I would argue better by a wide a margin, <laughs> by a wide margin, is currently signed to a deal that pays him $4.6 million per season. And he signed to that deal for another three years beyond this upcoming season. So... Like I, I don't know. Blackhawks just went and fucked up the, the like the whole defensive mark. Like how if you're did they though? Did they though? Because no, like I, I I look at it as there are sometimes teams that like like you look at the fact that the Oilers resigned a 39 year old goaltender for two years for more than league minimum, and like no other team's gonna be stupid enough to do that. And but the Blackhawks also resigned both Taze and Kane. For over ten million per like three years ago. I, 
more I than just, that. I think it was like four well, or five years ago. The Mitch Marner signing didn't set the market for wingers either. I don't know. But if you're an NHL defenseman right now and you're like, you're better than Seth Jones, which a lot are right now, how are you like saying to your agent, I, give me, I, I may not be, I won't get nine and a half, but fucking get me seven per year or something. You yeah. Know? Like, I mean, it's, it's worrisome, but also like, Jamie Oleksiak and Adam Larson signing with Seattle for like that's fair. Me- medium reasonable. Those are those are comparable players that, to Pelic. Like Pelic's better than them, but yeah, but no, that's a really good point. Uh, wow, I can't believe the Oilers let Larson walk like that. That was very Edmonton Oilers of them. You uh, have to make room to resign your 39 year old goaltender <laughs> for two point whatever million dollars. Yeah, and bring on for two more years. Like, it's not just for next year. It's for the year after that, too, which is I'd amazing. be interested to see what the actual details of that contract are because it's just a hilarious move. Oh, also, they they got – the Blackhawks traded, like – I. it seemed like the defenseman – was it a defenseman they gave up? Mm-hmm. Seems like he's, like, a pretty solid defenseman. And then uh, fucking, like, two first-round picks? Something <laughs> stupid like that. They – um. my thing with the Blackhawks is, like, I don't think teams – I don't think agents can use them anymore as, as their, their gauge, right? Because they've made so many stupid moves and then they've made so many panic moves in response and they've overpaid for things. And Stan Bowman, like God knows what he has on, on the words family. Cause like he should have been fired years ago and Blackhawks fans have wanted him gone for years. And there's off ice issues right now too. And they still haven't gotten rid of him. So I assume all the other GMs around the league can like you point to them, the Blackhawks and you say, that is not an organization that we are trying to emulate. So if if an agent comes to me and says, well, look what they signed their player to, I'd be like, that's not an organization that we're trying to emulate. We don't, we don't do things that way. If you want to go sign with them, go right ahead. And, and you kind of call, you, you can call an agent's bluff up to a degree. I think it'll bump the market up a little bit for certain things, but like, kind of like when Adam Larson was traded for Taylor Hall, like Peter Torelli didn't set the market for trades because he was so bad at them. Yeah, I And he didn't it. set the market yeah. for free agent signings either because he was so bad at them. So I think that's kind of what Stan Bowman is now. Like, I think he's so bad at it. And I don't know if he's like if he's trying to be fired. One of those people who's like, please, please fire me. Like, right? I'll get unemployment if you fire me, kind of thing. Like, I I don't know what what's going on there, but he's almost making like laughably bad moves. And he's now traded away two of their top prospects. One of them went to Buffalo in the deal for Alex Nylander, which was baffling at the time because um, Nylander had behavioral issues and it seemed like there was something weird going on there. And then they did the same thing this time to get Seth Jones, who had a noticeably bad year last year. And it's not like Chicago's a super, that's, that's what I don't get. Chicago's not a super competitive team and they traded away their, their best example, right? Like Duncan Keith was no longer a good defender, but he was still, you could argue that having him as a mentor for a younger defenseman is a net benefit. And you can say, oh, you know, he can come and learn from Duncan Keith. He can play alongside him. That was part of the argument with with Connor Murphy when he went there. Uh, Duncan Keith is gone. Like, who's Seth Jones going to learn from? Is it going to be, like, the corpse of Brent Seabrook, who's, like, floating um, around in the rafters? Because he's retired are- now. Arguably, I think it makes more sense to trade Duncan Keith for Seth Jones's brother to lure him to Chicago than it does to be like, hey, look at this uh, corpse of a (laughs) defenseman that has won three cups. (laughs) Um, Look, he has a Conn Smythe. Uh, I think Seth Jones is old enough that he should be the the guy setting the example, not the guy who needs an example to be set for him. But um, yeah, I mean, Chicago is not the place to... No. for any of that oh, right now. I, I honestly can't imagine signing a contract in Chicago while all this shit's going on there uh kind of says all you need to know about Seth Jones there I don't mean to bring them up but like the guys from that some of the hockey guys that like Chicago uh that like the Blackhawks from Barstool were like getting some boners over the fucking Seth Jones tra- and it's like man like you guys suck, but 
Anyway, I digress. Um, Everything I know about Seth Jones, it, like he's also very into like barstool. So, oh yeah, it's a, it's a great company with completely normal people. Anyway, um, uh, and it, it, like closing things up, it sounds like Vladimir Tarasenko is on the trade. Well, he is on the trade market. He's asked to leave St. Louis. Oh, and sorry, I'm like all over the place. St. Louis makes a great trade with the Rangers to get Pavel uh, Uchnevich for, like, peanuts, basically. Yeah, meanwhile, I, what are the Rangers fucking doing? That Tom was Wilson, wild. Wilson and the New York Islanders broke the Rangers this past year. That's what happened. Like, the, the Islanders we beat the Rangers. We need Barclay Goodrow. Yeah. I like Barclay Goodrow, like, whatever, but, man, oh, man, that is just, uh, oh. Woof. The line that he was playing for was doing more for him than he was doing for it. So I agree. Um, but so that one almost seemed like like that was like a a Jim Rutherford esque type off season so far for the Rangers because like the Penguins signed back when Jim Rutherford was in charge. They signed that uh that Brandon Tanev deal who has like very deep uh ghost seeing energy to him but uh signed a deal for like a bajillion years um for some stupid salary that he didn't deserve um as nice as he seems and then that's kind of what the rangers did with parkley goodrow they're re-signing him till kingdom fucking come um traded away buchnevich and it sounded like they did that so they could like lure in a really good free agent and then somebody was reporting that they're maybe looking at trading away another good player to get someone and I with the Rangers like it's hard to tell what they're actually going to do because 90% of the media there has no idea what's going on um like Larry Brooks but uh yeah I I don't know I now that Henrik Lundqvist is gone I'm delighted to watch them do poorly because I no longer have any any reason to feel I love Artemi Panarin and Mika Zibanejad and I hope the they best seem like for them. Nice guys, but like and, I don't care anymore. But like the the <laughs> middle back of that roster is so bad. I yeah. like the the top of the roster is excellent and looks like they have everything they need to contend for a cup and then just everything below the the top 6 and the I, I guess just the top pairing in on defense is just like not ready for anything that sounds that sounds about right um but it's gonna be funny to watch um it's gonna so i do like their goaltending i like uh i like Gorgiev and i like uh igor shesterkin um i hope somebody snags one or both of them because they don't deserve this but uh i they're gonna have a really bad time next year like the two of them are gonna have a really rough time well, you, why? You don't think the defense in front of them is very good? No. Adam Fox just won the Norris. Yeah, that's one guy. That's one guy. guy. That's one guy. <laughs> I mean, I... Oliver Ackman Larson was one of the best defenders in the NHL for, like, a good three-year stretch there. And those were the Coyotes' worst years. Like, and it's not even close. Those were the years that they drafted Dylan. And Mike Smith had a bad time. He had a very bad time, and I think that's... I think that was his villain origin story. So <laughs> I think that's a, I think that that might be what happened there too. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll be proven wrong. And uh, the being broken free of the shackles of having to call Tony D'Angelo, your teammate uh, might make the rest of that roster skate a little lighter. Or he gets a redemption arc. God. I I sure as fuck hope not. Like yeah, hope I have so many shitty off season storylines. I I feel like if somebody decides that he needs his redemption story too, uh, it's gonna make hockey very hard to. Who was it to that be, wrote yeah, that? Yeah. There, someone wrote the like article, like the Tony D'Angelo redemption article. Larry Brooks. Was it? That, was that him? The New York Post. Uh, and he he called Tony and was like, Hey, would you like to tell your side of this story? Cause I believe in you. <laughs> like, it's He's trash. Like he, he slid into my messages one time and asked me to apologize to uh, Mark Spector of Sportsnet for being mean to him when he, uh, 
decided that, I don't know, he wanted to like write a hit piece about how the Coyotes were super boring because they'd beaten the Oilers. Um, and he was like, that's not very professional. Like people are really mean to the media. I was like, I too am the media. So <laughs> I'm going to keep being mean to Mark Spector. I'm sorry. And he blocked me after that. Um, yeah, I got but, an advanced copy of a book based on our podcast. So technically I'm part of this, the hockey media now. That's right. Uh, Chris now is the proud owner of uh, Evan and Joshvina's book, um, which means Game that misconduct means that he has to read it now and uh, break it down. I was gonna, I was gonna read it. I was <laughs> just now. I'm kind of on like a deadline. Anyway, um, <laughs> you'll have to read it in addition to your other reading. Um, but closing uh, closing things out. Okay, you put out a poll on our Twitter account. Oh, God. Yeah, I did, which, by the way, I uh, for, for the listeners, I didn't tell Chris that I put out this poll. Oh, shit. I made him think what? it was Mikey. I made him think it was Mikey. Um, <laughs> but that was me, so surprise. Uh, <laughs> hang on, let me find the result. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, record... Which MCU is superior, the Marvel Cinematic Universe or the Medea Cinematic Universe? And for some reason, the Medea Cinematic Universe is getting crushed. <laughs> very rude. <laughs> very unfair. I don't know what's wrong with you people that you don't understand good, wholesome, fun cinema when you see it. But this is just, you know, the cross that I bear. But... So- Mikey, I think uh, for for the, like, maybe two listeners here who don't actively and aggressively follow you on Twitter, um, <laughs> which, can you please explain? Why aren't you? Yeah, which I, if any of you guys follow me and not Mikey, like, first off, that's a mistake. Um, I'm way more boring. Um, but uh, can you please explain how your Medea kicks started? Because I'm also very unclear. Uh, I took a, I, I took an edible, uh, and I was watching TV, and Tyler Perry's, I could do bad, wait, Tyler Perry's, hang on, I can do bad, uh, what's it called, I can do bad all by, by myself, starring, uh, Raji P. Henson, who, by the way, was nominated for an Oscar for Benjamin Button, so, like, it has Oscar-winning yeah. uh, <laughs> actors and actresses in it. So uh, actresses in it, and it's got Tyler Perry's Medea. I was watching that. And I'm like, man, these movies fucking rock. And I like how I, you went from uh, Taraji P. Henson was nominated for an Oscar in Benjamin Button to so these movies have Oscar winners in them. <laughs> yeah, you know, like. Getting they know they know good projects when they see them, and she wanted to get in on the Tyler Tyler Perry hype train, and I don't blame her. And they made a terrific movie. She's great in it. Uh, I like learned a lot of lessons about like (laughs) myself. Medea is just fucking funny. Medea has everything you want in a comedy. Okay, so I'm sorry that people like want to go see like fucking. Like Scarlett Johansson, whose character's like already dead, but like we have to go watch <laughs> another movie. Oh, you know who doesn't die? Medea. Okay, because oh, Medea. No fucking Infinity Stone bullshit. This is Medea. Deal like going to jail, dealing with life, like having family reunions, like being able to do bad all by herself, like things like this, and like. You're going to tell me that the Marvel Cinematic Universe is better? The Marvel Cinematic Universe has no heart. It's just a Disney hype machine where Medea teaches real things, real values, real life lessons, okay? Like, it's fucking funny, okay? Like, she says things like, oh, my lord, and like, hallelujah, and like, oh, you got, I like, damn, I'm getting heated thinking about, like, how... Uh, like just how corporate Marvel is and how real Medea is. Oh my god, I'm I'm actually crying. Yeah, like fine. Like, <laughs> I, like, I wow. Oh like, my god. Like, being right, sometimes it does, but that's like. Chris, uh, thank you for coming on our podcast today. So you needed, you needed a buffer. Well. I did. <laughs> Which uh, 
I, I know you didn't agree to come on. You were told that you were coming on. Um, and this yeah. is why. Um, <laughs> I, uh, my, my big question though, Mikey, um, cause I, this is a lot, like I'm still processing everything you no, just said, okay. but did, did your, did your very sweet girlfriend watch all of these with you or yeah, so has she been he appeared, really, like in the Snapchats to be watching most of these by himself? <laughs> uh, what's really unfortunate is, um, uh, Kate, um, she went to Iceland um, last week. Last weekend with a girlfriend. So I'm like, oh, let's fucking go. Like, time to pop an Eddie and watch some fucking Medea going to jail. And like Medea, like it's cool. She goes to jail, but like it shows like how you know she like takes down cops and stuff. Like she's like you know she's not. Oh man, sorry. I'm watching the Yankee game. They're fucking blowing it. God damn it. Um, but you know what? Uh, Yankees lose a game live on our podcast is actually the best thing that's ever happened. Um, well, and I'm going to die not Bill. Uh, she has not been home while uh, we've been watching Medea. So, well, come back. Wait, so your your girlfriend has been in another country and she's going to come back to you like sitting on the couch with like uh, like Mikey a Chuck day level uh, like message board behind you connecting all the dots of the of the media cinematic universe like yeah, charlie kelly over yeah pepe sylvia going on yeah she comes home and you have an entirely new personality i'm dressed in a i'm in like a media garb with like the wig and like the fake bosom white man that just makes you mrs yeah i feel like that's pretty <laughs> no i wouldn't do pretty cancelable no, I'm wondering, like, I'm not going to do, like, I'm just going to dress like Medea, but not, like, you know, I'm not going to be, like, cancelable about it. I'm going to be, like, I'm, like, I'm going to be paying homage to Medea. Anyway, I'm, it's it's and, cultural appreciation, not cultural appropriation. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to be, like, Megyn Kelly being, like, why is blackface bad? <laughs> oh, my God. And we have gotten here at our... <laughs> 109. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm being completely genuine and serious, though. Those movies fucking rock. Uh, Tyler, Tyler Perry, I think, just got an honorary Oscar or Emmy for, like, being the best and making these fucking sick movies for me. Did, did you uh, see him present at the Oscars? No. Was he, was, did he come out as Medea? No. <laughs> no. I don't, don't want to see it. Um, actually, he was great in Gone Girl. I haven't seen Gone That's Girl, awesome. and I've been wait what? Meaning, I've been meaning to. So, Gone Girl's on my list of movies that I haven't seen because I have the book but haven't read it yet. Oh, like, it's it's an it's, easy read though. It's a really easy read. Yeah, it's just so like I have Dune that is not an easy read, and that movie's coming out like soon, and I want to read that first. So. That's alright. I'll just. I'm I'm adding it to an ongoing list here. Ongoing list. I'm glad you're keeping yeah. track of these. I am. I'm keeping track of these, like, and crossing them out as we watch them. Um, so Con Girl's getting added for when we really want to have like a bad day because it's <laughs> it's not a it's not a fun movie, but it's a I good. Can, movie. I can imagine. Um, <laughs> what a what a pivot though from Medea to. Uh, thank to, you. Yeah. Thank you all for listening. <laughs> Uh, if you oh my God. know like that like Medea fucking rocks uh, and uh, yeah tune in whenever else well whenever I don't know I'm, I'm so fucking I can't put words together because I love Medea so much Mike, um, yeah, I genuinely want to have you on our other podcast to talk about Shrek at some point <laughs> <laughs> do you mean your hockey podcast or your movie watching podcast because i would movie pay podcast. more to have yeah i was gonna say i'd listen to that all day yeah shrek has a lot of like political undertones too like you know about like i don't know like his land and like the a king trying to take his land i think that's like you know there's that's it's a reflection of society and like how the rich and wealthy think they can just take and then who hasn't become friends like who doesn't have a friend that's a donkey right but i think a bug's life did it better yes i disagree (laughs) i know you disagree (laughs) i haven't seen ants in 
approximately 15 years, but... I haven't seen Ants, because I saw Bugs Life in theaters, and saw the cutout for Ants, didn't like the animation, and Wait, told my friends that I would not go to see that. So, someone recently uh, read out the Ants cast to me, and it's absolutely insane. Oh, yeah, it's um, got, like, a... So, it's got uh, good- can- cancelled Woody Allen, but... Uh, Sylvester Stallone, Sharon Stone, Gene Hackman, Danny Glover, Jennifer Lopez, Christopher Walken, Anne Bancroft, Dan Aykroyd, and I'm not sure I know anybody else on this list, but that's a lot. That is a lot. Although Shark Tale also had that many big names in it, and Finding Nemo was still better than Shark Tale, so. Also true. You know. Ugh. All right, everyone. Thank you Anyways. for listening. My throat's absolutely fucked right now, so I gotta go drink some Perry Pepsi I got from Taco Bell. Uh, maybe pop up the DM movie. Well, I hope uh, I hope our amazing producer, by the way, Maxwell Spar um, at Maxwell Spar, has a lot of fun. Enjoy digging through this, um, trying to find the best cold open because I've heard like ten. Are you guys doing cold opens now? I think we have to for this one. I'll, I'll, I'll ask him. Because uh, I think yeah. this one needs it. There's been a lot. said this episode was incorrect, so I just love being right, especially about Medea. I gotta go see the, those Rotten Tomato scores. I, I think they do they do Medea a little dirty. Mm. I hope you listen to that podcast I sent you. Oh, oh, is it the... Which one is it? Newcomers, the Nicole Byer and Lauren Lapkus podcast. Oh, Yeah. It looks like a delight. But so I, I love Nicole Byer. She's just, like, perfect. Um, and we'll watch or listen to anything that she's a part of. Um, and also not quite as big of a fan, but also a fan of Lauren Lapkus. So that's kind of one of those things that, like, they got together. And I was like, I will follow you to wherever you go. I'll follow you off a cliff. Yeah, pretty much. Um, on your podcast. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out where I get the time to listen to podcasts because I fell asleep listening to a podcast uh, two nights ago um, and had to like re-listen to half of it. So <laughs> I, I think the problem there is you're trying to listen to my three-hour podcasts. I think that's, it was a three-hour podcast and I think that's why. Um, cause it, but I, I did go back and re-listen, which is why I, roasted you about Bugs Life. But no, I maybe will listen to them and see if they can make a compelling case for Medea. Because, Mikey, I love you a lot, but I don't think you you convinced me today. What? 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 On that note, thank you, everyone, for listening. (laughs) We're still recording. All right. Good night, everyone. Enjoy whatever. Bye-bye. Teach the world to sing in perfect harmony and teach the